The title of this morning's message is Communion, Sacred or Scary? Have you ever been afraid to take communion? Yeah, yeah. most of us have. <laughs> Obviously someone had, that's good. But most of the body of Christ has had times when communion was actually scary. My family actually became Catholics when I was about 12. My mother wanted my father to go to church. And the only church he was really comfortable with going to was one that was more traditional. So they went, started going to the Catholic church. So we became Catholic. And I had to go through my first confession. You know, and they told me, you have to tell this, the priest all of your sins that you've committed your entire life. I'm 12. I still think there's way too many. I probably missed some. <laughs> and then after you have your first confession, then you get to have your first penance. You see, now that you've confessed your sins, now you have to show that you're really sorry, and so they give you prayers that you repeat over and over a certain amount of times. They were lenient on me, being 12 and all. <laughs> and then after that, I had my first communion. It wasn't like with the little five-year-olds that wear the foofy dresses and stuff. It was just regular, ordinary communion. But they did explain to me that you need to go to confession prior to going to communion. The Catholic Church believes that there are two kinds of sins, venial sins and mortal sins. Even though they agree all sin is bad, they believe some sins actually cut you off from Christ. And that would be a mortal sin. So to go to communion, to receive communion without first going to confession, is a mortal sin. They believe it cuts you off from Christ. So in the Catholic Church, taking communion without first going to confession is just stupid. Forget scary, it's just stupid. Nobody does that. Because the point of taking communion is to be one with Christ. And if doing that while you haven't gone to confession first cuts you off for Christ, there really isn't any point, is there? So it's just stupid. So every week when we go to Mass, you would see people who would all come forward for communion. Usually in the Catholic Church, it's, everyone comes forward to partake. It isn't served to you. And so you see all of the people that stay in their seats, and you see the people that go forward for communion. You know why some people are still in their seat. If you haven't gone to confession, it's stupid to take communion. <laughs> so those are the smart people who didn't get to go to confession, and so you can't take communion. In the Catholic Church, they believe that you have to confess to a priest, that you need an intercessor. So those were those kinds of things that I was brought up with. We were Catholic for about 10 years. I came to the saving knowledge of Christ when I was about 21. And I found very quickly, as a new believer, that I was starving for the Word of God, and the Catholic Church didn't meet that need. And so the only thing I really knew about being a Christian was I knew the voice of God. I understood when he talked to me. So he's like, go to a different church. And I was like, okay, I will. <laughs> so I became a, a Protestant. It was a big change to see somebody get up and minister the Word that wasn't wearing a robe, and you didn't do the same things every week. It was quite a mental shift. Communion went from being stupid <laughs> without confession to being scary even with confession. <laughs> so what I found is that 
This is very prevalent in the body of Christ. Now, why, why would it be scary? Well, it's because we misunderstand the word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That means they die. Okay, if I do this wrong, I could die? <laughs> this doesn't sound like a very good deal here. <laughs> I think I like the Catholic stuff. We'll just sit in our seat and we won't risk being stupid. <laughs> The Lord put me in these places. You know, without the Catholic Church, I would have not been in church. Even in the Catholic Church, I recognize the presence of God. So it, I'm not condemning the Catholic Church. I just simply don't agree with their beliefs. But then he, God put me in a little holiness church, which is a whole lot different than I believe now. So the Lord has taken me on a journey of discovery with him. And that's part of what I want to talk to you about this morning, is discovering really what communion is about. In the Little Holiness Church I went to, I was taught, unlike the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, they believe that the elements actually become the body and blood of Jesus Christ, literally, even though there's no outward change. So that's why they esteem it so highly. Their idea is, I don't want to take the body and blood of Jesus Christ and put it in an unholy vessel. Sounds like a really good concept. We don't believe we're unholy vessels, though. Amen? That's the difference. As a Protestant, and in most Protestant churches, when it's time for communion, we are given the opportunity to get right. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> but doesn't this sound an awful lot like what we had before? <laughs> in the Catholic Church, you had to actually go confess to a priest before I take communion. Now I have to go looking for all my sins and make sure I confess them because I don't want to receive the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ unworthily. Doesn't that sound right? Yeah. It's not true, but it does sound right. <laughs> and we're going to look at those scriptures because we have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not an unholy vessel. You know, if I go looking for my sins, guess what I'm going to find? Sins. I am a human being. Even though I'm righteous, I am not perfect. If I go looking for something wrong, I will find it. My disposition is if I find things wrong, I have to be really sorry for a long time to do penance. <laughs> I have to beat myself up for a couple of days. So even if I do try to make myself clean, and that's the concept, and that's what's wrong with that concept, I'm trying to make myself approvable to God. Not possible. All my confessing doesn't make me righteous. All of my repenting. I was taught that if you were really sorry, like there's a sorry meter somewhere, <laughs> Let me measure how sorry you are. Okay, you're sorry enough. I'll forgive you. I was taught this. Because if you're really sorry, you won't do that sin ever again. Oh, I must never be sorry enough. 
I tried really hard to be really, really sorry. Got me nowhere. It didn't make me victorious. And it didn't make me righteous. That's what I didn't understand. I am not righteous and I am not forgiven because I repent. God forgave me before I ever existed. He provided for my righteousness before I ever came into being. He said he has reconciled the world back to himself. That he's not counting my sins against me. What? Not counting my sins against me? You know, I never heard that. It was in the Bible the whole time. It says he's not counting my sins against me. Why? Because he's already forgiven them all. Now, forgiveness is different than most of us think. We have this Old Testament mentality that we have a lamb-by-lamb salvation. If I sin, I go get a lamb. True, right? Something's got to die. That's the rule. (laughs) What we did was we took that same concept and moved it over into the New Covenant. When I sin, I need a new sacrifice. I need to be sorry enough. I need to repent really hard. None of those things, none of those things make me righteous, and none of those things make me forgiven. When I received the Lord Jesus Christ, I became a totally different being, an entirely new creation. Amen. I am not what I used to be. I am now born of him. I have my daddy's eyes. I have my daddy's smile. I have my daddy's righteousness. It's a gift he gave me when he adopted me into his family. And he gave me the kingdom and all of the keys to the kingdom. I never knew I had such a good deal. I was too busy being sorry. (laughs) So it says in this scripture, he who examines himself. What does it mean to examine yourself? I'm actually going to give you, this is actually handed out to my classmates. We did um, sacerdotal duties, and most of us picked communion because it's a lot easier. (laughs) I was surprised that even in our class, so many Christians struggle with these scriptures. They sound so scary, and we need to interpret them correctly in order for them to become unscary. Because our Father says, setting that is good, all his good gifts, Forgiveness, salvation, healing, deliverance, prosperity, love, acceptance. Everything is there. And he says, come to the table and eat. And he never says, please be scared when you do this. (laughs) Not ever. I'm going to actually read a few scriptures before. In um, 1 Corinthians 11.23, it says this. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he said the most astounding thing. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he continues. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. It doesn't say in remembrance of my sins. (laughs) It doesn't say in remembrance of my failures. 
it matters where your focus is. As long as I'm focusing on me, guess what? I am the problem. <laughs> I don't want to look at the problem. I want to look at the answer. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Communion should be all about Jesus. All about Jesus. All about his goodness and not about our sins. If we are focused on ourselves during communion, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> this whole section of scripture comes after a passage where Paul is actually scolding new believers about how they were doing communion service. Because in those days, they did it like a Seder, where you had a ritual, like we do in service today, and then you had this big meal. And this big meal was a feast. And so he says to them, the way you're doing communion is horrible. You're getting drunk. You're being gluttonous. You're shaming the poor. What about that looks anything like Jesus? Nothing. So he says, yeah, you can do it wrong. <laughs> and I, I was doing it wrong. Not because I was being a glutton and a, and a drunkard or shaming anybody, but because I was focused on me. You see, when the people who are eating too much and drinking too much and shaming others, what are they doing? They're focusing on themselves. It's all about me when it should be all about Jesus. One of the things I've been through as a believer, many, 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 many communion services. And for the most part, I was taught to, one, be remorseful that my sin put Jesus on the cross. That was the concept. We want you to understand that your sins put him there. Your sins are why he was punished. Your sins are why he was there. And the Lord said to me, no. You see, he didn't have to do anything about our sins. He didn't have to. My sins didn't put him there. His love for me put him there. His love for me put him there. Because he says, I love you too much to let you go. I love you too much to live without you. I would rather die than, than you die and go to hell. His love for me put him there. So where should my focus be? On my sin or on his love? On his love for me. Amen? I'm going to actually read through both sides of this paper. I give it to you because I want you to be able to see it with your own eyes. I'm a visual person, so if I can see something, I can grasp it better. And I also want you to be able to have it to take it home, so that when you do communion, you know the right way to do communion. We're going to get into that. 1 Corinthians 11:26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The right-hand side of the page is actually a paraphrase by Paul Ellis. He is a grace minister. He had a church in Hong Kong for 10 years, a grace church. He's now an author. He writes grace books. They're awesome. But I loved his paraphrase because it really helps us to get a good hold on what it means to take communion. And he says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death and his triumph, victory over sin, and all of its effects until he comes. It says you do show the Lord's death. You proclaim the Lord's death. What does that mean? <laughs> we have good news. We have good news of his love, that he loved me so much he died for me. His death eradicated the sin issue. 
That's why he came. He wanted to get sin off of the table so it could be filled with everything that's good. He wanted you and I to never have to worry about, are we acceptable to him? That's why it says he's not counting our sins against us. All of our past sins have been washed away. And yes, we sin. Is it our practice? No. No, it's not our practice. Believers don't enjoy sin. That makes them really miserable. (laughs) That's what we're doing in communion, is we're declaring the triumph over sin. That our sins no longer interfere with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In verse 27, it says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Doesn't that sound scary? I don't know of any believer who wants to sin against the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't if you're a believer. You really can't. Who is sinning against the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ? Those who are rejecting it. That's the sin, to sin against the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says on the right-hand side of the page, Therefore, if you eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord without appreciating what Jesus accomplished, it's like saying, Jesus died for nothing, and you are not honoring the Lord's body and blood. So often, Christians believe in receiving forgiveness of sins, but they don't believe for anything more than that. They don't believe the atonement contains their healing and their prosperity and their help and their strength and their peace. It's all in there. What he's actually saying is if you don't know what you've got, you're not going to be able to take hold of it. And so that's part of the problem with communion because it goes on to say, (laughs) a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Why? You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say he should examine his behavior. It doesn't say he should examine his sins. You should examine yourself. Why? Because the the people who were gathered here weren't all Christians. Lots of people were coming to these gatherings for these great feasts. Come on, let's go over to those Christians. They got lots of alcohol and food. (laughs) They they know how to throw a party. (laughs) He said, examine yourself. If you're going to partake of this, understand that it is meant as an act of faith in a Savior. And that you need to know, am I in Christ or am I not? Am I a true believer or do I just want the free food? And there are people who come to church who want the benefits. They like the Christian benefits. Well, God says he'll heal me and God says he'll forgive me. I like all those benefits. I want to partake of those. It all comes in Jesus. There's no benefit package apart from Jesus. (laughs) You can't have any of the benefits without Jesus. So that's what it says. Examine yourself. Are you a believer? So before you take communion, take a look at yourself. Now he takes a little different turn on this. Are you sick? Are you battling guilt and condemnation? Are you giving place to things that Jesus carried in his body? Think about that. And paid for with his blood. I really like this one because when we come to the table of the Lord, so often we have infirmities and we have sicknesses, we have diseases, and we keep asking God to heal. We keep asking God to do. We keep asking God to move. But God says, 
I have already set the table. What he's pointing out here is, have you come to the table that's set with your healing, that has your provision, that has your strength, that has your hope, that has your peace, and have you said, no thanks? I think I'll keep my sickness for a couple more days. I think I'll keep my anxiety for another week. <laughs> I think I'll keep my fear for a few more hours. He says, come to the table. Whatever it is you're battling, recognize the answer is on the table. And we don't have to put up with keeping things that Jesus paid for to get rid of. Verse 29 says, anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment to himself. On the right-hand side it says, but if you eat and drink without understanding, the word recognize, it has to do with understanding. If we come to the table and we don't know what's available, we won't know to partake of it. Because if you eat and drink without understanding all that the Lord did in his body, then you're not going to be free. It is like saying, I'm still under judgment. That's where I used to live. I wasn't actually under judgment. I was under judgment in my mind and in my heart because I didn't know the truth of God's grace, that he wasn't counting my sins against me. For instance, if you don't believe by his wounds you were healed, then you're not going to be healed. When we minister healing, it's about this is a done deal. This is totally available. It's about believing we receive. Verse 30 says, that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number have fallen asleep. The right hand says, this is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have died prematurely. Not because God got mad and said you did communion wrong, now I'm going to kill you. But that's how it's interpreted. So often people are afraid. I've sinned. I didn't take communion worthily. I could die. How crazy is that? When what he's actually saying is, look, I have everything you need. Come to the table and eat freely. Come and receive the abundance of everything I have for you. Don't go away hungry. Don't go away sick. Don't go away poor. Please, come, receive. That's what he's saying here. <laughs> we don't have to be weak or sick or die prematurely. Verse 31 says, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Here we go. Where are we judged? When are we going to be judged? doesn't say our work's going to be judged. We know when that happens. But when were we judged? We were judged at the cross of Jesus Christ. We were judged at his whipping post. My sins were whipped thoroughly. They got the punishment they deserved. And I can declare, I bear them no more. Nothing separates me from the love of my Father. He says, so that's how we should judge ourselves. In the light of the cross, in the finished work of Jesus, I am forgiven, I am accepted, I am healed. Because if I don't judge myself correctly, then I walk in the condemnation and the judgment I think is due my sin. It isn't what God is doing to me. It's what I do to myself in ignorance. And God doesn't want us to be ignorant. Verse 32, when we are judged by the Lord, 
we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. The right hand side of the page, when we renew our minds. See that word there, judge, we always think of it as a bad word. It's not a bad word. It means to thoroughly separate and discern. When we renew our minds and we learn to discern what is from the Lord and what is not. There are so many believers who think God gave them cancer or sickness or disease or infirmity or a car accident. God did this to me. No, God did not do that to you. But if you believe he did, guess what? You get to keep it. He doesn't want us to keep it. When we learn to discern what is from the Lord and what is not, then we are trained up. That word there, disciplined, means to be instructed, to be trained up, to understand correctly. That's what we do to our children. We don't put our children on a whipping post and beat the daylights out of them. You do, I will call the police. <laughs> Discipline means to be instructed. If we know the truth, we can walk in the truth so that we will not be condemned with the world. Who's doing the condemning? Not God. Who's doing the condemning? We are. When we don't understand what we've got, we condemn ourselves. Even grace people struggle with condemnation. It's just in our nature because we know sins should be punished. And that's why we can never look at ourselves. We must always focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, it takes no faith to believe I deserve to be punished. That's law. It doesn't take any faith at all. But to believe that I'm still righteous when I mess up, that takes faith. To believe he still loves me, that he hasn't changed his heart towards me because I've failed. That takes faith. It takes faith to believe he loves you. It takes faith to believe when you can't see what's going on that he has everything in his hand. It takes faith to apprehend those truths and make them work in your life. Because everything works in the kingdom by faith. This morning we are going to practice receiving. We're going to practice focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. We're going to receive communion this morning. But we're going to receive it as a celebration, not as a funeral. Most of the communion services I've ever been to have been very somber and sad. I want you to just use the eyes of your heart this morning. Just see that there is a table here. And every good thing that you could ever imagine is laid on it. And the Father is saying, come, come to the table. What would you like? Let me fix you something special just for you. What would you like? What would you like me to do in your life? What would you like me to do in your heart? What would you like me to do in your finances? He says, come to the table. Come to the table. The throne of grace is the throne of yes and amen. It's not the throne of, oh, so sorry, you were not worthy today. Not there. we got to change our mind and see ourselves as his beloved. Whatever he died for, you can have. I find myself, when we listen to our 
messages because we take out all the stupid stuff. <laughs> that I say things like, God has taken away every reason to say no to anything that you want. And I should clarify that. Every time I hear myself, I go, it's true. It should clear it up a little bit, though. It's anything that's available in Jesus Christ. He's not going to help you sin. <laughs> He's not going to help you fail. <laughs> He's not going to help you go to hell. <laughs> None of those things. You can have everything that Jesus died for. It's like the word the Lord gave for Sarah this morning. How big can you believe? How big can you ask? Because however big you ask, he's got bigger and he's got better. He says there's always more if you're willing to believe. Do you believe you're righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ? You believe you are more than acceptable in his sight? You have to believe in order to receive. That's why some are dying and some are weak. I gave this message to my uh, classmates. A message never comes out the same way twice. <laughs> After we minister a word, because you hear it once, we hear it about 50 times <laughs> in trying to prepare it. Yeah, I thought, this is, I really like this. This really helped me a lot. And I was surprised at, because it keeps cooking in you. The Lord said, why don't you come to the table more often? I thought, well, I'm so busy. <laughs> I thought, did I really say that? <laughs> Does that sound like a ridiculous excuse? I'm so busy, I don't have time to go to the table of everything you could ever ask for. And he said, you know, you find time to take your daily blood pressure medication. Yes, I do. Why do I do that? Because I know it has a powerful benefit in my body. But how much more powerful is the blood of Jesus Christ that destroyed all the works of the enemy? Perhaps if I took communion every day, I wouldn't need a blood pressure pill. Just perhaps. You see, what I realized was I, even though I know the truth, I was still afraid of doing it too quickly and unworthily and irreverently. I'm afraid of doing it wrong still. <laughs> so I understand that this may not go away. That's why I want you to take this home. I want you to meditate on the fact that we can go to the table of the Lord every day. And I suggest you do. Are you fighting a weakness? Are you fighting a sickness? Are you fighting a disease? Is there a lack in your life? Well, guess what? We have a table that our Father has set for us. And he bids us come and receive whatever we have need of. One of the things one of our fellow students said was, communion is a vehicle. And I really liked that. Because if a vehicle takes you someplace. You start here, but you end up there. You say, I may start in lack, but I end up prosperous. I start in sickness, but I end up whole. I start with oppression, but I end up delivered. I start in a bad place and end up only in a good place, in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, you don't have to be afraid of doing it wrong. 
You just have to focus on him. Communion is a celebration. It's the biggest, best party you've ever been to. Come and eat. Come and partake.